Thank you, Pastor Paul. Wonderful to worship with you once again. Every Lord's Day is a very special day for us and for each of your families all day long. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans 15, Romans chapter 15. And in a minute, we are in a very few seconds, we will stand together. I'm going to begin reading at, um, in chapter 15, verse 14, and go through 21. So if I could, all those who are able, let's please stand once again. God's Word. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see And those who have never heard will understand. God's holy holy word. You may be seated. Our Father, as we come now to the preaching of your holy word, we ask for special grace and help. Your Holy Spirit is with us. You've promised it. Therefore, God is amongst us. We ask that you would open up our hearts, pull out our sin, and hand us Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Often, when you get near to the end of something, there are finishing touches that need to be done. At the end of the school year, for example... There are ceremonies to attend and goodbyes to be said. After my daughter Hattie's upcoming wedding is over, we will have to clean up, thank many people, and attend to many other details. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is doing as he comes to the end of his letter. Beginning in chapter 15, verse 14, where we are this morning... Through the end of the letter, he starts to wrap things up in several important ways. And the first thing he does 
is he encourages the Christians at Rome in a very personal way. If you recall, when Paul began his letter, and we started studying it many months ago, he began his letter to the Christians at Rome in a very personal way. He introduced himself as an apostle of the risen Christ, son of God and son of David, according to the flesh. He greeted the Christians at Rome. He commended them on their faith being proclaimed throughout the then known world. He let them know that he prayed for them and that he longed to see them and wanted to minister to them and preach at their church and so on. He spent 15 verses of chapter 1 on very personal introduction. Then in chapter 1, verse 16, and all the way through where we ended last week, chapter 15, verse 13, Paul developed his teaching on justification by faith alone and its implications in the life of the believer. We, congregation, are now completely done with the main body of Paul's teaching, and we are ready to consider the final things he wants to communicate as he wraps up his great letter. Just like in the introduction, the apostle once again gets very personal, and the first thing he does is he greatly encourages the Christians at Rome and he encourages them in three ways, and I'd like to get right to it. First, he encourages them with his commendation, verse 14. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Can you imagine a commendation like that here at STRC from the Apostle Paul himself? After calling them brothers, he could have said brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, he commends them first by saying, you're full of goodness. Now, Paul had never been to the church at Rome But he knew the Christians there intimately, actually, if you get into chapter 16 and see all the names he knew. He knew them through the reports of others, and he was satisfied as an apostle with their Christian goodness. They were indeed sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and the gospel was producing real spiritual fruit in their lives. What? He commended them for their goodness, and yet, back in chapter 3, verse 12, in describing the fallen nature of the human condition in Adam, remember, he said, no one is good. Not even one. And yet, they manifested from heaven's point of view God's goodness through them because 
they were true recipients of the gospel. Now, can't you sort of see their smiles as they get this encouragement and hear their excited chatter? Did you hear what the Apostle Paul just said? I did. Did he really say that we were full of goodness? Glory to God. Wouldn't you do that too if the Apostle encouraged us here at SGRC in that way? Why? Because we battle with sin. We battle with sin day in and day out. And we need to be told by credible others that sin is not all there is to us anymore. And we can all help each other out in this way. Did you realize that Jesus not only died to justify you before God through faith, He also died to make you good? He died to make you good through the process of sanctification. Again, of course, the the Christians at Rome were still sinners. The Apostle Paul did not say by any means that they had reached some state of perfection. But he was telling them that they were definitely not spiritually deficient anymore because they were in Christ. They were in Jesus Christ, their Savior. They had been transferred from one kingdom to another. Their hearts of stone had been turned to hearts of flesh. They were not spiritually deficient anymore. And because of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they had much good about them which was a blessing to others as well as a glory to God who saved them in the first place. Now I have a question. Aren't you blessed by good people who love Jesus? Not perfect people, but they're not deficient of God because God is in every single believer. You know, because goodness is listed as one of the fruits of God's Spirit to the Christians at Galatia, Paul might have just been using that general term of goodness to represent how the reality of the gospel was being evidenced in their lives by the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And that's encouraging. That's very encouraging. It should be. To us as well. Shouldn't goodness be reflected in every single church of the Lord Jesus Christ? He also commends them for being full of knowledge. He's not calling them omniscient, he's not calling them God, but they have a true and full life-changing knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this teaches us something very important that is often absent in the church today. It teaches us that more than anything else, more than anything else, Christians need to hear the gospel over and over and over again for their sanctification. 
So the gospel must be front and center in every single church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish every pastor knew this and understood it. And I wish every single congregation understood this because until they do, Christians will always be vulnerable to chase after the new thing, whatever the new thing is at the time. But tell me the old, old story. Tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me the gospel. Because it is only when the gospel penetrates our penetrates our hearts deeper and deeper that our relations within the church and our witness to the world come to life. I think you all know by now, you do know, don't you, that the gospel is not merely the power of God to get lost sinners justified, that it is also the power of God for all of salvation from start to finish. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so we preach Christ crucified and risen again so that the lost are brought to justifying faith in Christ and so that those who are already justified will grow deeper and deeper in their knowledge and assurance of what God in Christ has done done for them. And we will never hit the bottom of this gospel truth in this life. We will never hit the bottom of our gospel appreciation, our gospel experience of the love of God for us in Jesus. And as we grow in true gospel knowledge, we will respond in greater obedience to Christ, in greater obedience upon the Holy Spirit to live for Christ. I could say it this way. Because the church at Rome was thrilled with the gospel, the fruit of the Spirit was evidenced in their lives. I commend you for being full of goodness. I commend you for being full of gospel knowledge. Are you thrilled with the gospel this morning? Or is this just another sermon? Is that all it is? I needed to come to church. I need need to come to church. I've done... Are you thrilled? We're almost there. We're already saved, brothers and sisters. But it's only a vapor. We're almost there. Are you thrilled with eternity being placed in your heart? I commend you for being full of goodness. I commend you for being filled with knowledge. And I also commend you for instructing one another in the church. This verb that is translated instruct in our ESV Bibles is not just the mere idea of teaching someone about the Bible. That task, relatively speaking, 
is easy and with very little risk. Rather, this verb has the idea of warning and admonishing fellow believers in the church who seem to be drifting or possibly falling prey to unrepentant sin. In fact, this verb is translated admonish in the NASB and New King James Bibles. This past week, I wasn't feeling quite right, so I went to my nurse practitioner in Dexter, who I have been seeing for, well, since Hattie, my daughter, was two years old. So for about 20 years, we have her cell number. My nurse practitioner and I always talk about the gospel together, which is one of the benefits of my illnesses. And this time she also had a question for me. She asked, what do you do in your church, Kent, when there are members who are sinning? And what she meant was sinning in a stubborn, unrepentant way. What do you do in your church, Kent, when there are when there are people who are sinning and creating problems in the body? Well, that, that question really brought the Presbyterian out in me. <laughs> Young people, you do know that I'm Presbyterian by conviction, don't you? The word Presbyterian highlights our biblical church government and its orderly rule. That's what it highlights. And by the way, those of you who could not make it Friday evening, much of Mike McCabe's presentation centered on his team's ardent effort in China to place qualified elders in every single church and then to organize those churches into one reformed Presbyterian denomination, which would allow them to function more orderly and biblically. Anyway, I tried to explain to my nurse practitioner, which is not very easy to do in our soft, and I will say it, unloving American church culture. I tried to explain to her that it is biblical for the elders of the church to lovingly care for its members by confronting unrepentant sin with the goal, always with the goal of full restoration. But friends, the truth is that many Reformed Presbyterian churches in our day would not get a good commendation from the Apostle Paul like the the Christians at the church in Rome did. Even if their sessions exercise biblical church discipline, many Reformed churches would not get a good commendation from the Apostle Paul because long before the session has to officially address sin in the church, individual members are supposed to lovingly warn one another and admonish their brothers and sisters that seem to be going the wrong way. Your heart is sort of in your throat about a brother or sister. That's what the 
individual members at the church at Rome 2,000 years ago were lovingly doing and they were being commended for it. And this just does not happen very much in the church today. Even a gentle word of concern to a brother or sister can be very powerful. For example, I don't know if I'm on track here, friend, but this is what I'm worried about. I just want to make sure everything is okay because you are special to me and you are special to us here. Can you imagine getting this kind of commendation from the Apostle Paul himself? He commends them for their goodness, their knowledge, and their instruction to one another. Wow! They were truly a church that loved one another because they were thrilled with the gospel. They were thrilled with the gospel and they loved Jesus and Christ's kingdom here on earth. But so that their heads didn't swell too much, the apostle quickly added in verse 15, but on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. And I think that's because there's always room for spiritual growth. There's not only room for spiritual growth for each one of us today, because in this life, we're not ever going to uh, be perfectly like our Savior, which is the goal. But because we forget When I walk from one room to another, I can't remember what in the world I went in there for. I've got to go back in the previous room and try to conjure up what it is that I really needed. And we walk out out these doors, sometimes flippantly, not realizing that we enter a literal war zone And we, we have a tendency to forget. And so we need a bold word of reminder, don't we? In order to grow in gospel truth. Can't our hearts get bigger? Or have we just settled in? Are we allowing the world to squeeze us into its own mold? I ask you. We need the gospel to come boldly to us by way of reminder. And so he encourages them with a marvelous commendation regarding their goodness, gospel knowledge, and the loving warnings that they were giving to fellow believers. Second, he encourages them with the details of his own ministry. He commends them. And now he says, I'm going to give my missionary report. We find that in verses 15b through 19. We love to hear missionary reports, don't we? Because we're we're part of that. In our prayers, in our giving, and in our labors. Do we not have a mission here? So that the lost might be found? 
and, and come into the church and grow in their understanding and assurance of the gospel? We do. And Paul was reporting that through the labors of his ministry, an absolute multitude of Gentiles were coming in and, and coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The church was growing. The kingdom was expanding. And it still is. All over the world, God's kingdom is expanding in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. And I think Paul's report, if he had a screen up here, he would, the first thing you would see is Paul the priest. And we see this in verse 15. I'll, I'll begin at the beginning of verse 15 again. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. When Paul talks about his priestly offering of the Gentiles being acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit, he conjures up a picture of the Old Testament priests making offerings to God in the temple. It's as if he lays the Gentiles who have come to faith in Christ through his ministry on the altar before God. They are yours, Heavenly Father. They are the product of your grace. And and through my labors, praise be to you. Through the beatings I have received, through my prayers, through my efforts, and through my preaching, I lay them on the altar before you. They are acceptable in Jesus Christ and sanctified, a product of your grace. Paul knew that laying these dear ones on the altar before God, they would be a sweet-smelling savor to the Holy God. Actually, this sort of thing was spoken of long before by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 66, verse 20. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations. All the nations. The new covenant hadn't even begun yet. They will bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord. So in a sense... Paul was a priest. And there wouldn't be anything wrong with us offering up our brothers and sisters to the Lord whom we have prayed for and labored, but God brought the increase. And there wouldn't be anything wrong with parents offering their covenant children before the Lord. They belong to you, God. They are yours. Paul the priest, but he was also Paul the proud preacher. And this is his missionary report of encouragement. That's what I want to hear, a little bit of confidence. Oh, we can't be proud of our ministries, can we? Oh, yes, we can. As long 
as we qualify our pride in what he says in verse 18. He says, I'm proud of my ministry in verse 17, but he qualifies it in 18, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. That is, that is to bring them to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ through the preached word and through a life given over to God. The building of Christ's kingdom is ultimately God's work, but praise God, he uses us to get it done. So we pray and God brings the increase. We labor and God brings the increase. Paul the priest, Paul Paul the proud preacher, and he continues to encourage the Christians at Rome and us by extension when he reports that he is the powerful agent of the miraculous. Amazing divine signs and wonders accompany his gospel ministry in order to confirm his divine calling as an apostle. For example, in Acts 19, this is absolutely marvelous. This is, this is, this is off the charts wonderful. We're told in Acts 19 that God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were carried from his body to the sick And they were healed. And so in verse 19 of our our passage, he reports some encouraging words. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Illyricum, a Roman province that spanned from Jerusalem, I believe about 1,400 miles, he says, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. I'm sure that the the Roman Christians were encouraged by his report of powers and wonders because I know I am and I, I know you are as well. But let's be careful here. These signs and wonders have not happened since the biblical canon was completed. Signs and wonders were given specifically to the apostles to confirm their ministry of the word in the establishment of the New Testament church and the office of apostle no longer exists. We see this phrase signs and wonders first in Israel's exodus from Egypt under Moses. You remember All the plagues, don't you? There was just absolute signs and wonders from God. And these signs and wonders, among other things, confirmed Moses' divine calling to lead God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. We do not see a cluster of signs and wonders again until the prophets especially Elijah and Elisha, and that in order to confirm their ministry as true prophets of God. 
And the final cluster of signs and wonders was during the ministry of Jesus himself and in the establishment of the New Testament church through the apostles. And again, they were given to confirm the authority of both Christ and his apostles. But with the finished writing of the Holy Scriptures, we have no need of the same kind of signs and wonders anymore. Don't you agree that the greatest miracle by far has always been, always been, the regeneration of the heart by the Holy Spirit, bringing a sinner out of the kingdom of darkness and into God's marvelous light by His power alone. And since we have everything necessary now for life and faith in the finished Word of God, the Gospel is penetrating hearts as a result throughout the whole world. Because the Word of God is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The signs and wonders that are taking place today all over the world are hearts of stone being changed into redeemed hearts of flesh through God's Word and Spirit. And what has happened in the years since Christ and the apostles is far greater than whatever was accomplished before in terms of bringing myriads of sinners into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's marvelous. It's amazing. This miracle is happening as we speak. The Apostle Paul encouraged them with his commendation and he encouraged them with the details of his ministry. And finally, he encourages them with his goal. Verses 20 and 21, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Paul's main calling from God was to preach Christ where Christ was not already named. He was called by God to reach the unreached. This did not mean, of course, that he did not ever minister and preach the gospel where Christ's name had, all, had already been preached, where there was already a foundation. He didn't plant the church at Rome. 
He gave them the gospel in all its fullness in this letter to those Christians at Rome. And he did not plant that church and he longed to see them so that he might impart to them spiritual gifts and help them to be built up into their faith. He wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel. But he saw himself as an apostle to reach the unreached. And he saw himself as a fulfillment of Isaiah's words in Isaiah chapter 52. We read them earlier. Those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Because of the atoning death. You see, Isaiah 52 It's not just Isaiah 53 that is about the suffering servant. The the theme of the suffering servant begins in Isaiah chapter 52. And because the gospel is that marvelous and we're more thrilled with it now than when we walk through those doors, the nations will be sprinkled with His blood. And as the gospel goes throughout the world, people who have never heard it will see. And they will understand. And He will bring His sheep into the fold in numbers so great that we will not be able to count them. That's an encouragement That is a great encouragement to us here. The book of Romans could have been the book of Donovan. It could have been written to us. The number of names that he lists in chapter 16 are pretty much comparable with our community membership here at SGRC. If you are resting in Christ alone, You're resting on a rock. If you're not trusting in yourself, but you're trusting in who He is and what He did for you, then you are safe in the ark of God. And you will never be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Well, having walked through this great theology together about the gospel of Jesus Christ, are you thrilled with the gospel? Not perfectly, but are you more thrilled than when we began? Are you? It's important that you grow in your appreciation of the gospel and how the gospel is to translate into your love and commitment to your brothers and sisters here as we have studied, and how it will translate to your witness to a lost and dying world, and how it will translate to the witness that comes forth from this pulpit. As I preach... 
And as I step aside from this pulpit, as I labor personally, as I pray, and as I give, as I, as I do what no one in, in the kingdom of darkness could ever dream of doing, God in us. Because He will always bring the increase. He'll bring it here. And He'll bring it there. Well, let's think about that commendation. And where we are at SGRC. Because there's always room for growth. Always. You might read Isaiah 52 and 53 this afternoon or this evening. And if you do, you won't be able to stay neutral. Because it's bold. And it's in living color. Christ crucified for us. Let's pray. To you, O Lord, belong the glory. To you, O Lord, belong strength and majesty. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. For we long to see you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's take our Psalter hymnal and turn to 245.